0: Greetings from St Bride's Church Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning into this podcast during this Easter season. We've been offering these online services every week since the first lockdown began. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing, together with newly recorded readings, intercessions, and sermons. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always lovely to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. May the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral Evensong on this the third Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep.
1: The Old Testament reading is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 7, beginning at the seventh verse. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know, therefore, that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face, to destroy them, he will not be slack to him that hateth him, he will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments, and the statutes, and the judgments, which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep, and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant, and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Testament reading is taken from Revelation, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labour, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast laboured, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan." Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh, shall not be hurt of the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Almighty Father, who in thy great mercy gladdened the disciples with the sight of the risen Lord, give us such knowledge of his presence with us, that we may be strengthened and sustained by his risen life, and serve thee continually in righteousness and truth. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. It can hardly have escaped anyone's notice that in recent days there has been an inordinate amount of press coverage of the life of a member of the royal family who has sadly passed away. News reports, documentaries, interviews, historic film footage every conceivable angle on his story and his personality has been covered exhaustively at times to saturation point. And yet I have to say that as a result I do now know considerably more about Prince Philip as a human being rather than purely a public figure than I did previously. Because we have all had the chance to glimpse his life as a family man, an avid reader, A man of profound faith, a man who was passionate about the preservation of the natural environment and wildlife, a man who could be incredibly funny. Sometimes it feels as if it is only at the end of a person's life, even someone you previously felt that you knew quite well. That you finally get a sense of that human being as a whole in his or her glorious and complex and multifaceted entirety. For 15 years, I was chaplain to the community of St. John the Divine in Birmingham, the religious order upon whose story the TV series Call the Midwife was based. And during my time there, I was on a number of occasions involved in the funeral services of some of their more elderly sisters. As they were religious sisters, not all of whom had even retained their original names, one often didn't know very much at all about the details of their past lives until the stories that emerged during their funeral services. And I was always amazed at what came to light because those remarkable women whom I had only really got to know in their extreme old age when they were frail and vulnerable and utterly dependent upon others, had lived lives of extraordinary courage and resilience. They really were trailblazers. They were utterly fearless. Whether they had cycled through the east end of London during the Blitz to deliver babies armed only with tin helmet and midwifery bag, or, in one particular case, uh, a nun who had become stranded in the middle of the desert in Africa, who almost caused an international incident as a result. There was so much more to them than I had ever realised, and it transformed the way that I felt about them. And such revelations can emerge even within one's own family. For example, I can remember being astounded to discover that my father, as a young man, had obtained an exam qualification in Swahili. But more generally, it is so easy to assume that we know someone on the basis of what is really a partial and fleeting glimpse of one aspect of their journey. There can be so much more to individual human beings than we realise. And although it might seem a strange observation to make, the same could be said of the ways in which we encounter Jesus. What was my own first encounter with the image of Christ? When I was at primary school, my godmother gave me my first ever proper Bible, one of those little pocket editions of the King James Bible containing colour illustrations by E. S. Hardy an artist who was born in 1865 and who I have only just discovered, to my shame, was in fact female. The initials stand for Evelyn Stewart. The biblical images that she painted remain imprinted on my mind and, I'm quite certain, have always subtly informed my understanding of the person of Jesus. There are images of him delivering the Sermon on the Mount, stilling the storm, raising Jairus's daughter, as well as an illustration of the risen Lord by the lakeside. In many respects, they are examples of fairly conventional Victorian religious art, presenting us with a bearded Jesus clad in long robes and a traditional head covering. But it is his face that is striking, a face that is strong and lean, And characterful, a face that is by turns open to the spirit, powerful when confronting danger and compassionate when encountering tragedy. As I grew up and started to get to know more about Jesus through the stories told of his ministry in the text of the Gospels, those images were complemented by other insights as I discovered Jesus the subversive, a man who is completely unafraid to breach convention and flout authority. There was Jesus the perceptive, the wise and the insightful. There was Jesus the companion and Jesus the loner. There was Jesus the obedient servant of God and Jesus who is our window unto God. And over all the years since then, I have continued to discover new and different insights, and yet I still feel that I've never reached the end of discovering the fullness of his identity. During my post-Easter break, I undertook a major clear out of my study, which was long overdue, during which I uncovered a collection of photographs I had once gathered, of images of Jesus as he is perceived and portrayed by different cultures. There's a very striking African Jesus, a portrait of him from Korea, and so on. All of which have, in the past, caused me to pause and reflect and question my own previously held assumptions about the true identity and significance of Christ. Like the process of getting to know any human being, it is a relationship that develops and deepens over time. I began this address by observing that sometimes it is only at the very end of a person's life that you can begin to discover who they really were as you uncover the fullness of their life story. Something even more extraordinary can be said of the man, Jesus in that we not only learn who he is through the stories of his ministry, but through his sacrificial death, to which that ministry inexorably led him. And the story does not end even there, far from it, because when he is raised from the dead at Easter, another whole perspective on him opens up as we begin to understand the true nature of his relationship with God. But even that is not the end of the story, because his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the revelations that come with those events still await us at this stage of the Church's year. Christian discipleship is a journey of discovery that is itself lifelong and life deep because our relationship with the one who shows us God is boundless and inexhaustible and will continue to unfold beyond the margins of this life. This truth is brilliantly captured in the words of a prayer by the 14th century Italian mystic, Saint Catherine of Siena, who wrote this, Eternal Trinity, you are a deep sea, into which the more I enter, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I seek. The soul ever hungers in your abyss, eternal Trinity, longing to see you with the light of your light. And as the deer yearns for the springs of water, so my soul yearns to see you in truth. But of course, the spiritual life is complicated and the road ahead sometimes far from clear. There will be times when we feel that we cannot find what it is that we are seeking, which is why I would like to leave the final word with the late Brother Roger of Teze, who wrote this O Christ, Tirelessly you seek out those who are looking for you and who think you are far away. Teach us at every moment to place our spirits in your hands. While we are still looking for you, already you have found us. However poor our prayer, you hear us far more than we can imagine or believe. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.
3: Let us pray. Saviour of the world, be present in all places of suffering, violence and pain, and bring hope even in the darkest night. Inspire us to continue your work of reconciliation today. We pray for peace in those lands where there is war or conflict. Lord in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the Church, empower by your Spirit all Christian people, and the work of your Church in every land, give us grace to proclaim the Gospel joyfully In word and deed. We ask for your blessing on the leaders of all your holy churches, on Alison our rector, Sarah our bishop. We pray today for the Church of Ireland, for its primate and the Archbishop of Armagh, John McDowell also for the Lutheran Church in Great Britain and for its Bishop Tor Burger Jorgensen. In our own deanery we pray for the Tower Hamlet deanery, for Jane Hodges area dean and for its sub-deans, its synod and lay chairman and secretary. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Shepherd and guardian of our souls, guide and enable all who lead and serve this community and those on whom we depend for our daily needs. Grant that we may seek the peace and welfare of this place. Lord, in thy mercy, Hear our prayer, Great Physician, stretch out your hand to bring comfort, wholeness and peace to all who suffer in body, mind or spirit. We remember before you all those in our parish community, in this city and around the world who are in need at this time and any others known to us. Fill us with compassion that we may be channels of your healing love. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Conqueror of death, remember for good those those whom we love but see no longer. We pray for His Royal Highness, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, and for all the recently departed, and for those whose year's mind comes at this time. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. We pray for all who mourn. Help us to live this day in the sure and certain hope of your eternal victory. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Let us commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.